Good morning, everybody. This is Dylan DeChere, and welcome to The Drop Zone. I'm sitting in the host chair this morning. Sean Zock is out on vacation, and he is missing a big-time show. Tiger Woods coming off win number 82 at the Zozo Championship late last night, which was Monday morning in Japan. He won by three shots over Hideki Matsuyama, and he is now tied for the winningest PGA Tour player in golf history, tied with Sam Snead. So here to commemorate the occasion is Tiger expert, golf senior writer, really just a legend across the golf and sports writing world, Michael Bamberger, sitting across from me in the golf.com studios. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. I feel unworthy to the seat, but I will do my best, and thanks for having me. Michael, so where were you watching the uh, the action unfold because neither of us was in Japan this week. No, we are uh, we're we're coming at you from uh, Midtown Manhattan. I stayed in one of the Midtown uh, Manhattan hotels, and uh, you don't get Golf Channel on too many of those hotels in my mm-hmm. experience. But we were at one called the my wife and I uh, were at one called the uh, the Lexington, where uh, Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe lived for a number of years, and. Uh, more salient for our listeners they have golf channel and probably most salient for you and i is that it's a marriott property. did you have any doubt the tiger was going to close out his final seven holes with the three shot lead really not not at all because he's it's not just the 24 for 24 mm-hmm. it's a you know it's a thousand for a thousand yeah you give this guy a three shot lead he's just the only way it could happen is if hideki went crazy and uh and, and it looks like a golf course where you could but at 7.30 in the morning with no gallery, it's hard to get really revved up, and uh, it, it, it didn't happen. Hideki missed the uh, the short putt on uh, mm-hmm. 14. Yes. Uh, then it was definitely over. Uh, how about yourself? Did you see Did you see any scenario in which Tiger could not win it? Well, the only thing that gave me pause was that he's traditionally such a slow starter. I mean, yeah. it's funny. Even this week, he bogeyed his first three holes, which I, I sort That's of astounding. forgot until I was looking back this morning. And uh, went on to shoot 64 the first day when the the field average was over 71. Um, so the field average was 71 for that first round. That first, I'm surprised round, you hear yeah. that because uh, now, of course, you and I weren't there, but it looks like a simple, easy golf course on TV. It does not look, you know, there's some water hazards and there's mm-hmm. things that can go wrong. Those greens are perfect. That doesn't look like you should three put any of them. And uh, right. Yeah, that is astounding to shoot sixty four up to three straight bogeys. Uh, three bogeys to start, and then but his his slow start on well Monday morning there Sunday prime time for us. He really played a horrible first hole on uh, the twelfth there. Chunked his well, really it was mostly just one poor shot. He chunked his iron into the front bunker. Was faced with a bad really bunker shot, bad putt too though. So kind of three in a row. Yeah, and he looked bad. I don't he think he looked he looked great on the range, I thought, but once he was on the golf course he looked nervous and he looked old. I thought. He did not look like he did those the first three runs. Did you feel otherwise? No, I completely agree. And I think that the early start, it was not particularly warm. We've seen more sweater vests tiger, sweater tiger. Um he he actually looked very, very bad at the be- beginning of the skins challenge earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you stayed up for any of that. Mm, yeah, did actually yeah. to it, but uh, he, you know, he looked horrific at the beginning of that. So once he got over that first hole, though, and then kind of got the ball in play, it seemed okay. It didn't feel like he was going to go completely off the rails. He was in such command of his golf ball. Yeah, but his walk looked weird. Not weird, weird, but mm-hmm. uh, it just didn't have the energy or the pep. Uh, from so-, so I was a little possibly worried, but basically not because he was going to do something wrong, but because Hideki was going to go crazy. Uh, 
Uh, and Hideki is the kind of golfer who who could, of course. Uh, I wonder what happened on that uh, on that on that putt. Yeah. In other words, you know, we used to say all the time. You know, Tiger had the you know the voodoo doll thing that he could stick pins in somebody else from far distances. And he did to Sergio and many many others over a lot of years, and I wonder if he did it to Hideki or did Hideki just hit a bad putt. But that's a lot <laughs> of what makes Tiger Tiger was that voodoo thing. They made guys do you know guys got desperate and did mm-hmm. weird dumb things when they didn't. Well, they did need to because because Tiger wasn't going to. Right. This was classic Tiger because he had the lead and then he had to sit on it, and that's what he did. He looked pretty fully in command um he was hitting his irons close all week the par threes in particular so michael he played 20 par threes this week how many shots would you guess it took him to get around those 20 par threes so we're saying that uh how many under par he was how many total shots for, the, for 20 for the, uh, 20 holes right i'm gonna say he was was he, I think I know the answer. Was he about seven under for the 20? So he took 51 shots to play 20 yeah. par threes. So he was yeah, nine under. Astounding. He's nine under. Ne- you know, next that's best like, was that's 55. Like, so four shots clear of the field. That's like he's playing the par three tournament at Augusta National. <laughs> yeah. That's really, really, that's really going low. Well, that is actually insightful because it tells you two things that we know to be true. He hits his irons great and he putts great. And that combination is a killer. I don't care whether it's the Ben Hogan era, the Nicholas era, or the Tiger Woods era. If you're playing irons from the fairway and you can hit it pretty close and you can make more putts than the other guy, you will win over 72 holes. And if you give the guy 90 holes, you'll win only more. That's interesting. It checks out. I mean, he hit the third most greens in regulation on the week, and he led the field in putts per green in regulation. So I think that's probably impossible to win the golf tournament if you do those two things. And he's sitting it closer. He's hitting it closer. He's making the putts. And he looks yeah. like he's going to hit it closer. He looks right. like, you know, unlike with the driver, any iron, any time he's over the ball with an iron, you can see the stance changes a little bit. Uh, and you can see whether he's trying to hit a, you know, a, uh, you know, a hook or a draw or fader or draw, whatever you want to call it. And you just feel like this guy's going to do with that golf ball exactly what he wants, which you don't feel with that driver. When he sets up to hit a draw with that driver, you don't know, really know what he's going to do. It's funny, when he sets up the hit of fade, it looks like he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've been beating that drum for, you know, really since I started working here. If Tiger should really only be hitting cuts off the tee. My sense is that he's stopped trying to keep up with the big bombers to some extent. I don't know. I, statistically, we didn't really get driving distance numbers this week. So I don't know if that's true. But it was sort of the way I felt watching him. I agree, Dylan. In this day and age, where you can really fine tune your shaft and your head weight, you know, to for one specific flight, um, it kind of does seem like the way to go. But it, it still looks like he wants to, with that driver. He wants to set up a little open, tow it out a little bit with that left toe, hit it really hard, and kind of hold on a little bit and watch it go left to right and finish in the center of the fairway, the right side of the fairway, and then hit an iron on the green from there. What's wrong with that? So I want to ask you. We are 23 Octobers removed from Tiger's first win. Where were you for the 1996 Las Vegas event? That well, I remember that well. I, I was definitely at home watching it on TV. Didn't, didn't see it in person. But he beat Davis, and I was with Davis the next day. Uh, we got together mm-hmm. in, uh, in Sea Island. And uh, I've told the story before, but never, never to you, Dylan. Well, actually, I'm, I'm dating myself. It was before that, but I was helping Davis with a, uh, with a book then. And... Um, 
And when Tiger was still an amateur, and Davis was definitely one of the five best golfers in the world, Davis said, this guy is already better than I am. Oh, I'm no. like, I don't even know. And I did not feel that or see that. And I'd covered Tiger's amateur career quite closely. And Tiger, obviously, obviously was a phenomenal amateur golfer. I mean, won those six straight national titles. But he looked a little unsure of himself over, over every kind of little shot you can imagine. He didn't have that savant quality that – you know, you would have seen in Ernie Els or, or, or John Daly then. Uh, but Davis felt then, he said he's just he's got more shots all through the bag. Uh, uh, so I remember being with Davis that, that next day. And um, and one of the things Davis said was that Davis had the honor, and I think Tiger played second with the three-wood, and Tiger played first into the green. And Davis thought that showed keen match play insight. Hmm. Um, anyway. That's what I remember about that. What do you remember? That? How old would you have been then? Well, I was uh, I was about to turn five years old. As you just turned 28 recently. I just turned 28 on Friday. Xander Shoffley and I share a birthday. Oh, neat. I'm, You're and, uh, I'm two years older than he is. Okay. Um, have you ever played against him? Never played against him. No. I never. Do the listeners know that you're way above average in golf? Uh, I think they know that I'm way above average. Although I, I probably, I am always pretty careful not to uh, compare myself in a way of, oh, I know what this is like because I certainly was never at the level to understand the type of golf that these guys are playing. Um, certainly not Tiger Woods shooting 27 under par in you, that Las you, Vegas event. You're, you're being truthful and you're being modest, but I would say your experiences as a caddy in combination with your experiences mm. of breaking 70 make you uniquely qualified to talk about the game at a high level. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and in 96, you were working for Sports Illustrated, correct? Yes, yes I was. Uh, yep, I, I definitely was. And would you guys have had someone at that event? We probably did because we had something called the Golf Plus section in those days. And we, uh, Jaime Diaz is on our staff, Jim Rosa Fort, um, Alan Shipnick, I think probably was. If he wasn't, he was going to join very soon. Gary mm-hmm. Pinsickle joined later, a guy named John, well, not a guy named John Garrity, one of my great friends and a, and a fantastic writer so yeah we covered uh a guy named mark mulvoy um was uh the editor of sports Illustrated in those days and he started this golf plus section and it almost coincided with uh coincidentally tiger turning pro so there's a group of us that really have seen tiger uh plays i, I first saw tiger play as an amateur in uh 95 and uh, i've seen 14 of his 15 majors and uh you know hundreds of you know, thousands and thousands of golf shots played played by the guy. So that was going to be my question. What is your first memory of covering Tiger? Uh, you know, in 93, I was a reporter on the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Times asked me, New York Times asked me to write a Sunday magazine piece about him and my bosses wouldn't let me do it. But that's when I first started, uh, first started covering him. And then in, uh, and then 95 in Newport, um, when he beat a guy, uh, Buddy Marucci from Philadelphia, um, uh, in the amateur that, uh, it was an incredible experience because the, uh, the course was, it was like, it was basically a Lynx Lane golf course. Uh, I don't think I had much water on the mm-hmm. fairways, and I don't think he could have had much experience playing that kind of golf, um, that kind of run-up golf. And it, it was like he figured the whole thing out so quickly. Uh, and uh, you could see then he already had a little, not different from last night, but there wasn't jubilation in his victory. Uh, it was just mm-hmm. much, he was much different than I expected him to be. It was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to come beat everybody, move yeah. on. That was the feeling yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It couldn't have been more striking contrast to uh, his master's victory in that sense. 
I mean, the the whole the stage was awkward. Keegan Bradley, for some reason, still hadn't finished out on the on the green. Uh, what was going on with that, Dylan? What, what, what why did why did Keegan not finish? My first? best guess is that he was directly in Tiger's line, and so he didn't three shot lead, and the other guy's playing for whatever. It I doesn't make sense to me. I I mean I I will as a Massachusetts man I am legally obligated to defend Keegan Bradley in any situation, but this did feel strange. Is he a base data? He's uh he's from Woodstock, Vermont, but uh-huh. he uh he grew up going. I think he went to Hopkinton High. Okay. And uh, so yeah, he he, he aligns pretty strongly with New England in general. Oh Although yeah. Although he's become yeah. part of the. He was an early member of the Jupiter Crew. Uh huh. Yeah, it was strangely, the whole thing, the whole dynamic was strangely uh, anticlimactic uh, mm-hmm. in a way. But but how much of that do you attribute to the fact that 82 is not a number that really stirs the imagination? It's a bit of an abstract number. It's never a number that, I think we've followed Tiger's lead probably in thinking about the number 18 rather than the number 82 or some other number. It's such a large number, although that doesn't stop people in like the baseball's home run chases or anything like those numbers that used to matter um right but 82 has never meant all that much in my mind when, when, have you been aware of the number for a long time because i really wasn't i, I knew sneed was the leader mm-hmm. and i never really knew what the number was in part because the number was has changed several times over the years as i'm sure you know No, I was not very aware of it. I mean, I think this is part of, we've seen the PGA Tour conducting a pretty strong uh, marketing campaign for various things. Uh, They probably helped Rory McIlroy win player of the year, but, and they've certainly helped the players championship grow in esteem and the the FedEx cup playoffs, all these things. And, And so 82, certainly they would downplay 18 and up play 82. Um, so that's maybe an element of it. Also, this is the one that Tiger happens to be breaking right now. So. Right, right. It, it was a, it was astounding to hear Tiger say yesterday, you know, uh, in the press conference, uh, when did you start thinking about 82? And he said, when I got into the 50s. Well, to go from the 50s to 82, <laughs> that's Lee Trevino's whole career. Right. Yeah. You've already done a mountain of work to get into the <laughs> mid-50s or the early 50s. Now you're thinking about getting to 82. You're talking about the whole of Lee Tremino's long, great Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Just to match this guy, Sam Snead. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's astounding. But it is neat how golf, like baseball, overlaps the generations this way. And I was mm-hmm. looking at this the other day. Tiger Woods' first Masters dinner. 19, he won in 97, so he hosts the dinner in 98. Gene Sarazen, who won in 35, was at that dinner. <laughs> In That's 1998, fantastic. the guy who won in 35. So won in 35, and now Tiger won in 2018, 2019, excuse right. me. That is a big gap. That's a big gap, right. So this guy, Gene Sarazen, who would have really known Bobby Jones <laughs> in some sense overlapped. And to the same point, or you know, along those same lines, Sam Snead, uh, who was famous at these dinners for telling dirty jokes, uh, was still going pretty strong, not as strong because he had a bad car accident, but he was still going pretty strong for the last four or five um, Tiger Wood dinners that Tiger Woods would have attended. Uh, and then we also that picture yesterday of uh, of, right. of Tiger getting the uh, the autograph from Sam Snead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's neat. I mean, the fact that you know Tiger Woods can tell his kids they may not care 
that not only did he match Sam Snead's record, he played a couple holes in an exhibition with Sam Snead and, you know, was two down after two, as he charmingly said yesterday. Um, and it was neat. I mean, it is fantastic. And so how many of the 82 of you attended, do you oh, think? Oh, lots. I don't. I yeah. really don't keep... I can say of the, of the majors, 14 of the 15. What was and, the one? And, one, and the, one, the one? The one that I missed was the uh, the 2000 uh, uh, British Open. I was covering the U.S. Women's Open in Chicago that week. and So um, they were conducted the same week? Yeah, they were conducted the same week. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Carrie uh, Kari Webb won that. Uh, that's one of the only times I saw her. Oh, well, I think the only time I ever saw her win a major. She had a great, great swing. I don't know if you ever saw that swing. Yeah. She swung beautifully. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, very round. Very like, uh, 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 very like Ernie. Tiger's swing looked beautiful last week. You know, Tiger's swing looked like a swing. Absolutely not going anywhere. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just going to be exciting to see this guy try to win his 83rd what when's the next time he'll have a chance to win try to win his 83rd well i always lose track of whether we're counting hero world challenges in the uh no well, you wouldn't count that towards 83 okay that's that, not official that comforts me uh well but, i wonder if i'm mistaken because you know more about this than i no i think you're right because i, I think what ricky fowler has won that and i don't think that that no that's counts not towards his uh, win. that's part of the problem with the sneed list at some point <laughs> it had some really odd 16 two-man teams against you know, eight other people team, yeah. yeah and not to pick on sam sneed who is absolutely one of the greats of all time yes uh but uh he didn't even play the pga tour <laughs> You know, Babe Ruth played American League Baseball, right. what, 158-game season? So, yep. I mean, there was a real basis of comparison. You know, mm home -hmm. run fences were basically at about 410. The baseball was basically uh Yeah, eight similar. games fewer a year or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, same general concept. Oh, is it as many as eight? Okay, so— uh, I think it was 154 to Oh, yeah, to you're correct. It was 154. That's correct, to, to 162. So— uh, uh, Sam Snead didn't play the PGA Tour. So, you know, to speak of that record as, as August. But anyway, um, you no. Know, so I don't think you'd count the hero. Tory Pines, I think, would be Torrey his next Pines. chance. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah. Why not? Now, you, one of the interesting things to come out of this uh, thing is that you think Tiger can't play in cool weather mm -hmm. that the back won't permit. Uh, but he did. It wasn't wasn't warm there. Was, right. Uh, and he played well. You know, one of the things we said after the Masters, and he and he agreed with it, was that he was lucky to get four straight warm days at mm -hmm. Augusta National. It felt still. I don't know if that makes a difference, but cool and calm maybe is easier than cool and breezy, the way Pebble Beach would be. I, I totally agree. And I, because I was thinking about the same thing, for for whatever reason, this golf course felt like it was setting up to his game. I mean, it probably felt that way because of what was going on, but uh, I, I wonder what we can take away from this as far as the type of golf course that will allow Tiger to win. Well, he shows that he can, you know, they always say that the, 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 you know, the harder the golf course, the better for Tiger, mm -hmm. which is always true for, you know, the better player wants to play a harder course, but I think this is an easy course uh, and he played extremely well, but he's not going to play many easy courses. Uh, although you could argue that there aren't any really hard courses when you're driving the ball. For these uh, guys, three, yeah. yeah when, when you're driving the ball three thirty, what's your level of personal attachment to Tiger now? How has that changed over the years, and wh where is it for you now? Um, that's an interesting question because I was, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I had the Patriots game on 
in the background and the uh and then tiger on in the foreground I, I had to switch you know sound on in the patriots game eventually i had to mute that and turn on the sound with tiger but i was thinking about how i've been attached to tom brady and tiger woods who are of similar age for uh the majority of my life now uh-huh. and i got into golf because tiger i think gave me permission essentially because it you know it was cool and and fun my parents didn't play, but, you know, my grandparents played. There was some family connection to the game. So I certainly had a big personal attachment. You know, when all this stuff happened in 09, I was still young enough where that bothered me, I would say. Mm-hmm. That felt like a, a, you know, some sort of personal injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, because personal I had, justice to you? To me, because uh-huh. I had bought in so uh-huh. fully to uh-huh. this guy. Um, so I would say now I'm, I'm certainly less personally attached i'm probably more interested in the truth of the guy um mm-hmm. and less interested or and less attached to him as a fan or anything like that as someone who's observed uh uh tom brady and, and tiger woods uh almost their whole careers uh, mm-hmm. as a you know an interested more than interested fan um how how do how do you see those guys as being similar i think they're intensely similar i think it's so interesting the ways that they're similar and i think that the ways I think the way that they're most similar is how conservative they both are mm-hmm. as competitors. Mm-hmm. Their politics we could <laughs> mm-hmm. get into in a fascinating way also. But they're they're both intensely conservative in the way they approach things because they're so confident in uh, the shots that they can pull off. Nobody mm-hmm. throws the ball away more than Tom Brady to avoid sacks, to avoid you know fumbling the ball, making bad decisions. Nobody lays back the same way Tiger does or, or picks their spots. They both pick their spots where they get aggressive, and then you see these more highlight reel plays. But I think what people forget about is all the jostling and positioning. And I'm not sure how much Patriots football you watch, Michael, if, if you would have any counterexamples. Well, no, but I mean, I think that I think that's a great insight. And, of course, you can play anything more conservatively when you've got the skill set to pull mm-hmm. off magic when, when you need it. Um, and, uh, and that's how Tiger Woods got to 82 in the first, got to 82 in the first place. How about in terms of personality? How do they strike you as being uh, similar or different? Well, I, I was sort of kidding about the political thing, but I actually think that's probably an interesting comparison because they both have, uh, you know, personal relationships with president Trump that predate his existence as a politician uh, and they have both, you know, s- sort of struggled to find the line of how to address things like that. Brady had to, you know, deal with, he had a Trump hat in his locker at one point, but then, you know, he skipped going to the white house to sort of stay out of things there. Tigers talked about respecting the office. He obviously went to the white house to, to receive his, uh, medal of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've both negotiated these things in a way so as not to take a stance. I think that they, as their careers have gone on, they've they've taken less and less of a stance mm-hmm. um, on thorny political issues. I think some athletes you see they the further along they go, the more unfiltered they become. And mm-hmm. I almost feel like these two guys have been the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. 
Right. That's interesting. I, th- I feel like with both of them, they, uh, the starting point for their lives, their athletic lives, and maybe even their personal lives is their bodies. And like when you hear either of them talking about, the, they'll say, you know, the knee, you know, mm, the left yeah. hand. In other words, it's so impersonal, but it's like, it's also their bread and butter. <laughs> And like where you and I, you know, would uh, crave oatmeal and eggs first thing in the morning, whatever it might be, look forward to having breakfast. Mm-hmm. They are not thinking in terms of meals or societal conventions or the social charm of eating. It's all under the category of fuel and, uh, you know, getting fuel into the engine seven or eight times a year. In other words, um, they have really – now, of course, I'm quite a bit older than you are, Don, more than – well, more than twice as old as you are – when I was coming up, you want an athlete wanted to be more like Wilt Chamberlain, uh, you know, living the In life. What sense? Yeah, living the life, staying out late, going to restaurants, drinking fine wine, rolling out of bed, you know, scoring fifty-two points, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. Brady and Tiger Woods, first off, they're not like that, and they're not built mm-hmm. for that. They're built. They don't care if it looks difficult, and it. Uh, with Tiger especially, it just never – I think that's why he's so drawn to Fred Couples uh, in a way, although I'm really not sure if I'm correct about that. But, you know, Fred made things look easy. Now, Fred won one-fiftieth of the times that uh, the Tiger did. Yeah. Well, that's an exaggeration, one-fifth anyway. Um, but Fred did have charm, make it look easy. Tiger doesn't have particular – has no charm really to me and uh, <laughs> and doesn't make it look easy. And he doesn't care. He doesn't yeah. care. He and wins. Brady kind of – Brady kind of the same, uh, uh, and in their interviews, um, uh, kind of the same. They don't care whether they're likable or not likable, whether you think they're smart or not smart. They know they're smart, and they know they're disciplined, and they know how to get the job done. So I, I agree with that. I think, you know, it's funny. I Have you ever read anything significant where the two were compared? Uh, only my own writings, which I've touched just oh. just vaguely on. Okay, well. But no, I haven't, I haven't read that much about it, at least. Also, both into junk science. Both a little bit on the fringe of, uh, you know, I don't know if anyone has what had would be an more, example of that. Well, I don't know if anyone has had more incorrect di- self diagnoses than Tiger over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it, it's he'll suggest one injury or maybe over dramatize another injury, and then we'll find out later that either that doesn't make sense or or it was something different or he was telling us something wrong at the time. And you know, Brady thinks if you drink enough water, you won't get concussions. Essentially, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, they're both intensely healthy people uh, i mean they're nutritious workout regimens everything but you know i think that they exist on the margins of uh maybe the scientific community did you happen to read the brady book that came out uh, a few years ago just excerpts um i'm guessing you didn't I, make it through no it. no didn't no yeah i think if you're living his lifestyle undoubtedly you will be healthier than you currently are. Um, not you in particular, you're a very healthy guy, but, uh, but that's not to say that, uh, everything in it is backed up by science. I don't know, but then the evidence speaks for itself to some extent. The guy is 40 something years old at the top of the NFL. It's true. What, what do we know about the two of them together? Have you ever, have you ever been in the same room? Have you seen pictures of them together ever? Oh, I mean, this is where Keegan Bradley would come back in as the common connector maybe, because I know he's played some golf with Brady, but no, I, I haven't seen Keegan gets around, doesn't he? Cause he's played a lot with MJ too. MJ Brady. Oh yeah. He's a connected guy. 
It's funny. It's funny when you saw those three guys playing yesterday. Uh, Gary Woodward, our U.S. Open, uh, our, our, our national champion winner, and uh, 2011 PGA winner uh, Keegan Bradley, and Tiger Woods. And, uh, I mean, their swings are funky compared to Tiger mm. Woods. They've got all sorts of weird moves going on. Yeah. Uh, well, Keegan has a variety of ticks. Yeah. Uh, pre-swing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, much pre-swing, and then even standing over the ball. And Woodland felt a little bit he, – he, he was bombing it past Tiger, but he sort of felt small in that moment uh, in comparison to Tiger. And – vying for a president's cup spot is sort of an important so, moment for him but so uh, let's acknowledge that uh, woods and woodland will get two of the spots i'm not sure i'm ready to acknowledge that woodland will okay give me your other three then uh woods certainly and then what it would be finau patrick reed and ricky fowler in my mind wow it'd be hard for me to replace gary woodland for one of those three guys who would you rather have on your on your, on your personal team would you rather have gary woodland or patrick reed well, Gary Woodland. I mean, the way Patrick Reed went down in the Ryder Cup last year with Tiger Woods' arm around his shoulder. I mean, mm-hmm. Tiger obviously was out of sorts coming off of that Eastlake win, but Tiger could not have made more effort to be more gracious mm-hmm. to Patrick Reed, who was shooting 81. Yeah, I think eight, maybe 84 was one of the numbers that was cited during uh... – <laughs> That was a weird, weird response. You know, I did say Patrick Reed pretty quickly there, which, yeah, doesn't properly acknowledge that coming out of the Ryder Cup last year, it felt like, okay, it, this guy will never, ever again get a captain's pick. But if he were to get one, it would be from Tiger Woods. I'm not sure if Jim Furyk were in this position, he would be considering Reed in the same way. Yeah. It would be a magnanimous gesture on Tiger's part to pick, Pat, to pick Patrick Reed. It would probably be great for Patrick Reed, but... Well, let me ask you this, Dylan. Do you think the internationals can possibly win this thing? Uh, yeah. I think if the course plays firm, funky, you, you look at the U.S. team. I mean, there could end up being room for another captain's pick, actually, if Brooks Kepka can't play, if this knee mm-hmm. thing is worse than it seems mm-hmm. like. Um, but it's a it's a little bit of a funky makeup. You've got guys that are not traditionally you know buddy buddy teammates guys like bryson patrick cantlay um you know if you get patrick reed on that team there's people that aren't i don't know aren't this typical u.s florida pals right right i i don't know why this is pure instinct maybe part of it's because you know uh, the u.s did lose there in uh in 98 uh but it's a different style of golf course Ernie is a very – Ernie Els, the international uh, team captain, is just one of the most personable guys in golf and someone that I think guys will want to play for. I don't know how meaningful that uh, that really is, but it's not meaningless. And uh, and then the schlep factor. I mean, to go from, uh, from the Bahamas on short notice mm-hmm. across the world uh, uh, to, to, to Melbourne, Australia – is 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 asking a lot and they could come out even playing for and with tiger woods they could come out flat and um anyway it would certainly would be interesting to see internationals pull this thing off i think that most of the u.s team is playing the hero and i think that nearly all of the international team is not playing the hero that's exactly how I understand that right. It. right right <laughs> well so i want to take a step back a little bit with you because and you're actually writing a book about tiger woods right now i know you don't tend towards self-promotion but uh but it means that you've done 
more reflecting on Tiger's entire life of late than most of us. Um, what do you see that is different now in Tiger than 23 years ago or 20 years ago or 12 years ago or wherever you would want to draw that comparison? That's a great question, Dylan. I think that, I think, you know, writing a book or not, I think anyone might have made this observation, but as you say, I am uh, probably find myself thinking about it more now than, than I would have in the past. I think he sees himself as part of a community more now than he ever has before. And, um, and I think that's going to serve him well for the rest of his life. And it's going to serve golf well, golf well too. Uh, golf has always had a really strange blend of being a highly individualistic sport. It needs to be, it's a sport for loners. It's a sport for, it's a sport for, for athletes with OCD. Um, and it's a very useful outlet for all those things. And, uh, and many of the, uh, the great golfers over years have been, you know, psychopathic in not real ways, but, you know, Hogan to some degree and Mo Norman to some degree and Tiger to, to some degree. Um, just the, just the really the obsessive most part doesn't really lend itself to being part of community. What's happened here in, in recent years is all these golfers your age, Dylan, who have come up on Tiger Woods have now bolstered Tiger Woods. And they have actually brought Tiger back into their campaign of isn't isn't this a great life? Because it is a great life. Yeah. And I think that's actually been a really big psychological uh, uh, boost to, uh, to, to Tiger. So that's been really neat to see. And it's been really neat to see that uh, uh, Tiger, for all his greatness and all his gifts, was always so managed by his father and by his coaches, by Butch, by Haney, even by even by caddies to some degree. Even though he's a very strong-willed individual, highly intelligent, highly highly skilled, he still was sort of managed managed by IMG. And it's really only since his father's death and then some of the, uh, the personal travails that he's that he's gone through that he's really found his way to being his own person. I think what we've seen in 2018 and 2019, since he's come back from that uh, that uh, DUI arrest uh, on Memorial Day 2017, has been an absolute testimony to what a human being can do when he takes enough intelligence and drive um, and applies it um, to some very real problems in life that go way beyond trying to get the ball in the hole in the fewest mm -hmm. strokes possible over 72 holes. But that's the part we can see, and there, I don't think there's any question that none of that would exist. Wow, is this a long answer? Sorry, Dylan. <laughs> uh, none of that would exist had he not gotten other pieces of his life together, or if not together, trying to get them together. Mm -hmm. so, Was that way too much for you? Well, I'm just going to return to the, the first section of your answer because I have two follow-ups, and the first would be... Uh, Tiger's talked about during his comeback, you know, wanting to, it's good to be back out there with the fellas. It's good to be, you know, back out there with the guys in the locker room. And, and from an outside perspective, I was sort of too young to know this for sure, but my sense would be that that is revisionist history, that that never existed for Tiger um, in his first go around. Do you think that that is the case? And then to, to, to add on to that, what did you make of this tiger goes to the movies and to Domino's pizza 
with you know five of his closest competitors this week you really are making a great point there no that is revisionist history uh uh so it's more like um oh this is what it's like to be part of a uh, of a community yeah uh this is pretty neat uh but i didn't have any of this uh the first time i think there's lots of complicated reasons uh that that existed but but earl woods who was an extraordinary person has been sort of turned into uh he's been sort of demonized uh, over the years uh mm. but just a failed human being as we all are but with many great qualities as, as well and certainly very devoted to tiger mm-hmm. but he very much raised tiger with this idea of us against the world so absolutely right you know there was no hanging out of, of of any sort so i think it's not you know yeah back again the again part is disingenuous in my opinion it's really the the, the first time and for, and for that reason he can be a pretty young uh, 43 year old and I mean even I find it you know I'll be 60 my next birthday but when I get to go to a golf tournament and how you and Sean and uh, and whatever it is we're talking about the same things we're eating the same meals uh, it makes me less aware of our age difference actually actually not even aware of it uh, uh, at all really uh, so I can in, in that sense it's a strange comparison but I can sort of understand uh, what he's feeling uh, uh, Tiger going Domino's I don't see it Mm-hmm. to you <laughs> i wonder how many slices of domino's pizza he consumed during, <laughs> during yeah. this trip um so all right looking forward now what does this mean because this is a different type of win than the tour championship and the masters which were both uh foundational in some way they were both wins that he needed or we needed to um uh, complete his comeback um in different ways i thought the tour championship was really the the completion of his comeback i thought the masters was uh really a fundamental you know stamp on this second phase of his career but this this i know it was the 82nd win but this felt more ordinary more like a here's what happens when tiger wins a pga tour event there's all these other things going on sports going on a lot of the tournament happened in the middle of the night uh, what does this mean? Is this a sign of more things to come? Well, Dylan, I'd like to alert people to the excellent piece that you have on golf.com right now on that very uh, subject, which I read this morning. I just uh, ripped some material from it pretty much. Uh, I? well, that's good, but it's still, it's a, it's a richer read. Not that you didn't give it a, a good summation here. Uh, but I think, uh, I think what you're implying is very much correct is that, um, it was, we're all telling stories all the time uh, in our own lives and in our observations of other people's lives, people that we don't know anything about, <laughs> Charlize Theron, or, you know, our, our own spouses, whatever it might be. In this regard, it was a very easy story to tell that, oh, Tiger won that Masters. Now he's spent. He's never going to he's never going to win again. And he doesn't need to because mm-hmm. he had that he had that had that moment that turned out not. And I, by the way, might have said that myself. That turned out not to be that turned out not to be true. But now my question to you is, Dylan, just on a technical level or any other level, do you think it was, you know, uh, knee issues or something that held him back at Bethpage or U.S. Open? Do you think it was Masters hangover? I mean, in other words, what prevented him from going from this great high of of Masters and then doing nothing basically for months until this uh, Zozo championship? Well, my totally speculative answer uh 
he must have had a letdown after the Masters that would involve motivation because it looked like he had, he it looked like he enjoyed that moment and celebrated that moment in a way that he had never celebrated mm-hmm. a tournament win. And I think that he, that was the mountaintop in some ways for him. I think it would be hard to go back to the daily grind and the daily preparation. And this is a guy that you know at least he says wakes up four and a half five hours before a tea time to get his body ready so maybe he was cutting corners for a little while he was definitely definitely looked uh not quite right but there's also got to be an element of the golf course you know the the rough this week when he found it which was not all that often uh was playable he was still finding the greens from there the greens were soft um some of it is just the playing surface that he was on Beth page. If he played tomorrow, I'm still not sure he would play well there, but this still felt like a sustainable victory. This felt like something that he could, you know, theoretically repeat again. Did that's I answer really your good. question? Well, that's a very good point because in other words, you, it's a great point because it's like what Watson says, you know, what are you going to do with the shot? What is the lie? The lie tells me to do with the shot. Mm-hmm. Well, we know what, you know, we know if that ball is on a putting green, Tiger Woods is going to putt it well because he putts well. If that ball is sitting on a tee and he can hit a fade shot and he can hit it hard, as we discussed earlier, he's going to hit that shot well because he knows how to hit that shot. But when a ball's in some kind of grassy lie, uh, you know, there, there's a mile, there's miles and miles of difference between Beth Page's rough and what we saw at Zozo. And we don't know how they're going to set up Torrey Pines when he returns to the PJ Tour um, uh, early next year. So if they give him rough that's unplayable like they had the last two years there, yeah, he's going to shoot 70, 70. Uh, you know, 71 and, uh, and T and T 20. He doesn't look like he's going to play. doesn't look like he has the, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't look like he's going to play those shots out of the rough. Like he, like, like he used to not when it's long, not when the rough's long and it's cold and it, and it's wet. Having said that, he always finds a way to prove us uh, wrong. The single greatest insight into Tiger Woods absolutely definitely comes from Jack Nicklaus. Never, never, never underestimate this guy. Hmm. Uh, but you're, but I, Having said that, I think, you know, I'm the most guilty of this, but not alone in this. We want to romanticize the game. We want to romanticize the people who play it. But in actual fact, it is more science than art. And just what you said, the playing fields, the surfaces, how that ball is sitting in the grass determines everything about, uh, uh, about, about what he can do uh, in any given week. And it's, uh, and it's true for all of them, but it's probably a little more true for him at, at this stage because when he was a kid and he was hitting it 30 yards past uh, the rest of the field, he was playing a different golf course. He was playing par 68s. So when he shot 68, it was like, it was just sort of ordinary golf. That's no longer the mm-hmm. case. So now he really needs the golf course to sort of meet him halfway more than he ever has before. So yeah, there's only certain weeks that he'll that it'll it'll really be doable for. It's true. They were talking about oh maybe he can go for uh what was it the 14th? They're like oh maybe with a good tee shot he could get there in two. I think he hit driver three wood. That was full astounding. Wedge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He got that ball. Now that shows. You, now there's your point about the rough there. Now had that been Beth Page rough, mm-hmm. he's not hitting that third shot on the green. Right. You know he actually got the ball to stop. Well, he hit such a poor layup. He hit, he hit a three wood that started left of the fairway and finished right of the fairway. And it looked um, like it was low. I couldn't really tell, but yeah, yeah it, it was a like low a slice, shot. really. But you know, again, no problem. Uh, the whole time they were playing that hole, I, all I could think about was the one club challenge from their uh-huh. skins game because that was the. Uh, 
that was the same hole. Uh-huh. You were, uh, up, you, were you up for that? I, I was up all night. I was actually in this studio. Um, and by this time, by Monday morning, a week ago, I was, I think, already asleep because I'd stayed up all night to watch Dylan, it. Dylan, how about the artwork in this in this studio there's not much of it it's a little spartan you were admiring though the picture of jack and uh tom watson earlier well i think it's the great i think it's it's 1977 it's uh it's turnberry uh they've just concluded the duel in the sun and it's probably one of the well it definitely is one of the great photographs uh in in golf history uh for how they're dressed and how they're interacting each has the arm around the other and uh i remember the moment extremely well it's it's a great moment it was on a uh saturday as i recall Fantastic. I'm wondering, do you think this win resonates with the larger sports world? You know, it was kind of a, it was an appetizer to Sunday night football. It was squeezed in alongside the World Series. Yesterday was the only day of the year where the four major sports were all being played concurrently, and golf was the fifth. That's really interesting. I don't think so. And as our colleague Josh Sens uh, said yesterday, uh, Tiger's own reaction tells a lot. Uh, you know, people want to say, you know, oh, you know, the writers make the, the major so important. It's not that the writers make the major so important, not that we don't help, but we take our cues from the players. The players tell us they're important, and that's what we care. So Tiger's own ho-hum reaction to, uh, to this thing uh, tells us that uh, it wasn't like winning East Lake. It wasn't like uh, winning the Masters. But Jaime Diaz's excitement last night on Golf Channel uh, was telling because it is about the future of what this guy can do, as you were saying uh, mm. uh, earlier, Dylan. But of course, it does get it got lost in the World Series and the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and uh, and you know Sunday Night Pizza, right? Not, not from Domino's. So let's talk about this book that Tiger is writing, uh, because you have a theory and I would say some relatively lofty expectations compared to the, where I, I think you're a realist when it comes to Tiger in general, but in this way. You're more optimistic than the general public. Everyone I've talked to about this about this book thinks that I am just insanely <laughs> optimistic to think that he can write something truthful, candid, and revealing. Uh, and yeah. yet, as someone who loves to read, that's what I'm hoping that uh, uh, that he will do. Are you wishing this into being, or there's some evidence behind this? No, there's really no evidence. It, it, uh, there's really no evidence but, uh, uh, behind it. Uh, it kind of depends uh, who he works with and how quick. It depends really what his motivations are in, in doing it in the first place. But I don't know why anyone would r- want to write a book, uh, and you've written a book, and you know how, how much how much work it is, uh, without trying to say something original and new. What would be really be the point? You'd just be wasting your time and, and, your, and your reader's time. Mm-hmm. And he's been down that road before. He wrote a book about the 1997 Masters that – uh, it had some interesting passages, but it was not revelatory in, in, in a significant way. Mm-hmm. He's led in a deeply complicated life. I, I sense that he has very mixed feelings about a lot of the things that have come his way in life. I think he has very mixed feelings about the extreme fame with which he lives. I mean, he's one of the most famous people in the world for a person who's a fundamentally shy, modest person. Uh, and I know that would, even those words would probably seem strange to most people, but I really do believe he's basically a shy and modest person. Were you, were you at the Golf Writers Center this year, Dylan? I was. And, and Tiger we, was too. And Tiger was too. And, I went, and he spoke extemporaneously. He spoke really well. And one of the things he said was he was telling the story of how he came back to golf, not in any great, great detail, but in more detail than he typically does without notes. And, he, and then at one point he says, I wouldn't say this is an amazing story. 
It is an amazing story, but I mean that spoke mm-hmm. that speaks to his true modesty. Now he would probably say Hogan's story was an amazing story because Hogan was near death, no fault of his own. Right. Um, so, uh, any event, uh, getting off track here, but uh, yes, I do hold the hope that uh, that he'll write an interesting book, um, a revelatory book, because I think it'll be good for him, and I think it'll be good for the game, but. Uh, and I think it'll be, you know, it would be, uh, it would be good for readers. But exploring the human condition is not a useful thing for the world class athletes. So mm-hmm. let's start there. Right. As long as he's still in the thick of the game, which obviously is based on what we saw yesterday, there's really no point in him. <laughs> in, in, in him doing this diving won't serve, deep won't serve him well yeah well when do you think he's they didn't include a release date is this something that's going to come out around this year's masters and they'll churn it out quickly or that would be that would be astounding if if, if it is then i don't know how it could really have 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 much to it but but uh but but maybe it is what would be uh now have, have what kind of ghost writing have you done dylan have you ever uh let's see i wrote uh some i wrote a freelance I did some freelance marketing when I was still waiting to get officially approved for my hiring at this job. So I wrote about mattresses at one point in uh-huh. someone else's voice. Uh-huh. Um, I've written in the voice like of somebody else experienced the mattress and you wrote it up. Yeah, it, it was that could so- be very personal, uh, touchy stuff. <laughs> That's right. How did that go for you? Uh, you know, I hit the necessary keywords and I decided I was done with that business if I could be. <laughs> I've written through the the voice of Dustin Johnson for our magazine. Oh, interesting. How did uh, that go? Uh, he's, he's more loquacious on some subjects than others. I uh-huh. think. Well, Sean and I sat down with him for a podcast last year and I said, Dustin, what do you think about when you go into a press conference? Because I get such a kick out of DJ's press conferences. I do too. And he said, uh, when's it over? Uh, <laughs> I thought I that was pretty good. And probably very truthful. Definitely truthful because I, he, he has the ability to be, you know, at least interesting and relatively thoughtful if he chooses to be but i don't think he sees the personal benefit which maybe is a relevant point for this tiger book yeah yeah it could be uh anyway i'd be i'll be very interested to see what he does and uh you know tiger's a smart person he's got smart people around him uh they've been down this road before um as far as I can tell, without any great success. So I don't know why you would go down that same path again. I think you'd want to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Well, my one takeaway of this was I was astonished that Tiger showed up to the this golf writer's dinner the night before the Masters. And maybe I shouldn't have been, but... Well, he always has. The only, the only reason I, w- I wouldn't have been is mm-hmm. because he always has, including... I think he's been player of the year maybe nine times uh, the go- from, from the golf writer's... And has he showed up every time? I believe yes, he's yeah. shown up every time, and uh, he won a Richardson Award once uh, for contributions to the game. You know, you can't get people interested in this subject, but if you go on that Tiger Woods Foundation um, website and you start looking about some of the charitable good works that this foundation does, mm-hmm. it really is astounding. Um, and uh, so anyway, he got an award for that. I think probably about ten years or more than ten years ago now. But also, most significantly, in two thousand nine, um, he. Uh, in 2009, he won a lot. He won Player of the Year award. He won in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then he ran over the hydrant. Then all hell broke loose. Right. And he came back to golf at the April 2010 Masters. And he even showed up for that dinner. 
He showed up on no the Wednesday. Kidding. That was the same yeah. Wednesday when Billy Payne uh, gave him his uh, sermon from on high. Yeah. From high on the mountain. finger wagging. Yeah, the finger wagging. So, Interesting. Uh, so yeah. I didn't realize this not being a student of the GWAA uh, master's dinners, but just that contrast of, you know, Tiger Woods, one of the most famous athletes of all time, staring out at this sea of schlubby golf riders was, it was really something. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, he finished his speech and as he should the night before the masters begins walked directly from the podium out the door to his waiting car. But oh, I don't even think he pretends to sample the salad course. No, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. He's not there for dinner, but I don't think he eats meals in a conventional sense that we're used to anyhow. Yeah. Well, except for allegedly Domino's pizza. Right. Well, um, so let's, uh, let's wrap up this lovely conversation and ruin it with some predictions that are sure to be incorrect. I would like you to my can I just interrupt here for please. one quick second? My predictions are one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> All you have to do is whatever. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth, but whatever. If it regards Tiger, whatever I say, do the opposite, and it will almost always because I have never. I'm not being modest. I'm being serious. I have never been correct about this guy. Going back to when 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 Davis told me that uh, the Tiger Woods is already better than he was. I was like, there's absolutely no mm. way. So just take the opposite. Wait, so tell me some of your other incorrect oh, Tiger Woods well, predictions. Um, he'd win a couple majors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he won 15. Already he's won 15. Uh, uh, he wouldn't come back from some of his personal travails. Uh, mm -hmm. His body would fall apart forever. Right. Um, you know, it's all been wrong. <laughs> well, you're very good at... At looking back, it's maybe it's the looking forward that's the challenging piece. All right, so I want to know how many PGA Tour wins does he finish with? He's at 82 right now, and how many major championships does he finish with? Can you go first? No, I think there's this psychological principle about uh, what then you would you would sort of match me in some <laughs> some shape or well, other. I I would do the you know the over under thing on you. In other words, if you said 90. I would probably say 89, but and if you said 16, it would be really, really, really hard for me to say 17. I mean, that mm -hmm. is such a big ask. Um, but anyway. Sounds like what, you're saying 16 I, and 89. I, yeah, I'll say 16 and 89. Seven more wins. That's a lot. But he can play... He, you know, he could he could show up at uh, where, where do they play the Greensboro tournament now? You know, mm -hmm. weaker field events, um, and he he could he could he pick won't, up some. Though. He, he, he won't, won't do that. Yeah. How many tournaments do you think we're going to see this guy play per year? Fifteen. You know, what, what, what he played way too much in eighteen. What, what was what was the number for nineteen? About a dozen. Yeah. Was that all it was? Was a dozen? I think so. I think he's really only played maybe eight tournaments since Augusta. Well, that's too few. Uh, that's way too few. I think, not not that I'm an any position judge, but I would say, <laughs> I would say 15 sounds like probably uh, the the right about number. There were he made six starts between the Masters and the Zozo Championship, and and he played. Uh, now he played a full schedule going into the Masters, and mm -hmm. then he played a good Masters. He did. Uh, He's going to continue. He didn't to do play it. Bay Hill. That was the one exception. He, he pulled out of Bay. Hill. Well, he had a sort of some sort of injury. I think mm -hmm. he, he said he had there. I think he'll do what he's always done, which is try to get himself ready for those those major those major titles, and he'll do it. His schedule won't change. He's an absolute. Uh, but yeah, I could see him winning one more major, and I could see him winning. I could maybe see him winning 
five, six, seven more more times. How about yourself? I think he's. I think he gets stuck at seventeen. Wow, which is a fascinating spot to end up. Yeah, yeah. I think he sticks at seventeen. I think there's a Masters and maybe there's an Open in front of him. You know, if he got to seventeen, then there would be a major marketing campaign. Oh my gosh, what would it be? Well, who's who's running that campaign though? Because. There's no unified major organization. Okay, we're saying the same thing. I guess there's four separate market, major well, it, marketing well, campaigns. Expl- all right, let's wrap up here. But you, you explain to the listenership what we're talking about. We're talking about 20 for Big Jack, counting mm-hmm. his name. 18 professional majors. Yes. And then two USAMs. Get oh, some oh, oh, oh. We're, oh, I thought we're that's what we were saying. Then. No, no, no. Well, in other words, that gets them to 20. Mm-hmm. And and Tiger has fifteen professional majors and three USAMs. So he's twenty to eighteen. Twenty in to other eighteen. Words, in- so, uh, so you're saying if he got to seventeen, mm-hmm. someone could argue, well, that's really uh, twenty-one, one ahead of Big Jack. Um, I wouldn't argue that. No, uh, my main point was just you know then all of a sudden the the expectation of you know whatever whatever we see when Rory goes to the masters uh looking for his grand slam every year that would again be tiger woods at at every major but they're run by four different organizations right none of which are the pga tour so it'd be interesting seeing those various marketing arms pump up uh his appearances that was the marketing campaign i was referring to. oh i understand that's that all makes sense i think there are very few people have more admiration for big jack than i but i think even to compare it, and Jack played against a group of men that were unique in the history of the game for for toughness, for charisma, for personal drive. There's just so much that was appealing about the era that he came up with, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I mean, he really faced almost three different generations of, of golfers, you know, starting with Arnold and catching Johnny Miller and Lanny Watkins and Tom Watson. Uh, among various others, Bernhard Seve. I mean, he really saw the gambit. Tiger never saw that kind of competition, just in terms of personal toughness of the men. But Tiger's 15, in ways, is a much deeper accomplishment than than than, than Jack's 18, because of the fields of the PGA Championship that that Tiger played, the fields of the Masters that Tiger played. Tigers beat the world, and you know Jack beat really a bunch of American. Uh, uh, pros uh, and mm-hmm. only about 30 of whom could actually beat Jack in mm-hmm. any given week. There's a hundred guys who could beat Tiger in any given week. That's a fantastic point. And almost a good way to end. Uh, my last question to you would be, uh, w- what will be your enduring takeaway, your enduring image of this week's win? Of this week's win, because you know it's funny. Just as you were saying that, I was wondering. I was thinking about your, what you were saying about Brady and Tiger, and I've never really thought about the two of them together. But just to go back there for one quick second, if you look at Brady's face at one of the super the Super Bowl win after uh, Ballgate, um, mm-hmm. what do they call that Ballgate thing? Deflate Gate. Deflate which is Gate. A, Thank you. A crime against the American public. I understand how you feel about that. it, but you know there was no real joy in in Tom Brady's face, and really. Just in that nanosecond, immediately after after Tiger won, it wasn't really a smile. It wasn't really joy. It was really some weird exultation of relief, and I don't know what. I'd have to think about it more and, and try to articulate it I better. I think relief gets to the beginning of it, at least. Yeah. Yes, and 
so because it's that probably is one of the, you know, what really is the emotion of winning? What does it really mean uh, to win? Um, but from, 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 from Zozo, um, uh, this is weird, but, you know, Hideki missing that putt. I'd mm. like to know what made the guy miss the putt. It's a very makeable putt. Should make the putt. Uh, and it changed mm-hmm. kind of everything that could have happened from, 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 from there on in. Yeah. But also the subdued reaction. I'd like to know what's going on with Tiger's chewing gum. I mean, chews it so hard and mm. so obviously. And then like coming up 18, he didn't see it at all. Uh, that comes to mind. How about for you, Dylan? What's the enduring image? Well, yeah, it's funny that you bring up Hideki because man, the guy must have been playing under so much pressure, the, the home country pressure. And he, he he basically sculled his bunker shot on 18. If he had caught it a millimeter thinner, yeah. that thing would have been in the bleachers. Yeah, um, yeah, he was lucky to get that thing stuff on grass. My last thought on Tiger versus Brady is just that Brady improbably through science or who knows what looks younger every single year. Hmm. And Tiger distinctly doesn't mm-hmm. um he looks older every year the game you know he's still playing it at an intensely high level but you're much more aware of the effort it takes him to play at that level um you know hitting it shorter manufacturing more shots being more clever uh where you don't necessarily brady's game is the same as it's always been more or less he doesn't have to do quite as much but he pretty much can mm-hmm. um so I think that, you know, to me, it is that image of Keegan Bradley fist pumping, the, getting the final fist pump of the tournament in right after Tiger had won. And, you know, Tiger putting out. Joe LaCava is looking at his yardage book while Tiger's birdie putt goes in on 18. And Is Joe anticipating a playoff at that point? <laughs> what could be so interesting in the yardage book? I think he's making though? notes for his return to the Zozo <laughs> next year. I'm, I'm not well, sure. that's why he's a good caddy. That would be smart. Well, that seems like as good a place as any to uh, to leave it for this week. So, Michael, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Always for a pleasure to have you on the Drop Zone. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed that conversation anywhere close to as much as I did, then I hope you'd consider leaving a, uh, a five-star rating or a review. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Until next week when Sean Zock will be back, this is Dylan DeChair. Thanks for listening to the Drop Zone. Thank you.